0: we
1: Your face hello, just Brian. got a call. hello, Mike. Um I haven't I haven't checked Twitter in a while. What's going on? Is there anything? any reason for your enthusiasm?
0: I have a question for you, Brian. Well, wow. I have a question.
1: I can't even I can't even believe what's going on, Mike. I'm, we're floating here.
0: The Nets are back.
1: Is that, that's the question? <laughs> you put a, the,
0: nets that oh, the Nets are back. Hear that
1: inflection. the Nets are back, dude. The Nets are back. I've just been on a I've been binging, uh, not just media, just media binge. You know, not, not uh, in a way that I haven't been for years. And this reminds me, like, how happy I've been not having our name thrown around in the national media as much. Because, good <laughs> lord, are there <laughs> crummy, crummy takes galore out there, Mike?
0: I don't like them. Yeah, yeah. So this is obviously um, an emergency pod. Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving have signed with the Nets. NBD. Uh, we are part of the poor take rumor mill now, Brian. Yep. I just watched a twenty then, minute segment from CBS, and it was like, I
1: it was so unbelievable. Like, because the whole time they're just talking about like, what about that Achilles? How about that? Achilles? It's like, guys, it doesn't even matter. If he never like, if he comes back and he's fifty percent, whatever. It doesn't. That's not the point. The point is, there is a franchise that has ri- risen to prominence, signed two of the biggest free agents out there, knocked the ball out of the park like immediately immediately did it so in a, such a decisive cl- like
0: clean way you never see it happen like this the, there are so many emotions in this pod is all going to be about the emotions of this moment what i have staring at me right now is a brooke lopez star wars um bobblehead from the nets where he is lightsaberless he has no lightsaber so he looks like he's just holding an empty shake weight and i am staring at brooke's beautiful face And I'm thinking that man, that beautiful seven foot two tall man who now shoots threes, was the only thing that the Nets had over this horrible, disgusting run post KG Paul Pierce trade. He was the star of the Nets, a class act. And the Nets, in a very short period of time, have gone from Brooke Lopez's beautiful, mean mug and a crappy load of second round picks and hoping that Isaiah Whitehead was the dude and hoping that Sean Kilpatrick was maybe like some Jamal Crawford 2.0 and like hoping that Chris McCullough was some yeah he had an injury risk at Syracuse he tours ACL and then maybe he'll come back and be like awesome because he was a top 15 recruit there's like all of these hopes and wishes and dreams because this team had no first round picks no interesting young players the best player was Brooke Lopez. A guy who, at the time, was actually kind of discounted in the league because he didn't quote rebound. I don't know why I put that in quotes <laughs> brian mike brian i know it's it's weird
1: it's a weird place to be in because like <clears throat> you know uh everyone everyone wants to um like qualify this into into you know non existence or like put all these kinds of like just the Kyrie Irving memes and the Kevin Durant being injured memes, like to death. And I I really can't stress how not important any of that is because like, this is, it's not just, you know, next year or the year after, or, you know, this is a, this is symptomatic of something, you know, these are, these are generational talents that have signed under their own free will, no gun to their head. They haven't, they're not like 36 and you know, they don't want to be here. They're overweight. And you know, it's like, this is, uh, we are, we have come to the place where we are now a threat to sign the best free agents in the world on any given off season that, that happened, you know, like Luis Scola said, we quoted a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> all the Nets have to do is win and they'll get everything they want. And Luis Scola was, you know, truly prescient and, um, as ever, you know, and he's going to be on this pod Skola later. Thomas, he's going to, he's
0: dialing in, uh, he'll be on later. Uh, (laughs) What an amazing quote. Like, there are so many horrible quotes on Twitter that come back to bite you immediately. And I'll give you an example just from today is that SNY put out an article from Ian Begley five hours before Kevin Durant signed with the Nets, officially signed with the Nets. I'm not even talking about when Woj first reported. I'm talking about when he officially signed with the Nets five hours before 6 p.m. So at 1 p.m. they put out a tweet, a story from Ian Begley saying, The Knicks will try to pitch Kevin Durant on the possibilities to win on the court and all the money he can make off of it. That was going to be in their pitch. Okay, so Ian Bagley has that report five hours before Kevin Durant signs with the Brooklyn Nets. I don't want to
1: dog Ian Bagley. I mean, obviously, he's, he's out there grinding like the rest of us. Um, but I want to talk about him as just a symptom of Knicks fan thought. And like, anytime that they publish anything positive about Kevin Durant going to the Knicks, super heckin' on board, love it, let's get him and Kawhi. And then, in the wake of all this, they're like, yeah, screw that guy. It's just, it's perfect Knicksian. And, <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me not to just sort of like, you know, needle them at this point. I, I won't, I promise I won't do it forever. Because soon, Mike, we'll be punching down. And that's not
0: a cool place to be, you know? But yet, we are still, we're not we are still the underdogs as, as crazy as that is have now having, it's the best part of it.
1: That's the best part of this whole thing is that we don't even have to be good next year. And, and, and still like it's, it's all, I mean, it's the best part and it's the worst part, right? It's like torturous because you want to immediately like be a championship contender. And, you know, I'm not even like, I don't even think it's important to, to start thinking about whether we're like championship contenders or not because what this does is prove that this is a fluid situation and that you know when you get players like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that begets any player you want at you know at a certain to a certain extent. Um, so like the idea that we you know that, don't get me wrong, I love the way that our team is structured. It's like so ripe with options. I mean, we have. There's so many thoughts just flying through my mind. I'm going to get distracted with every new little thing. But, like, you know, I can tell a bad take on, like, national media when they come in and they're like, you know, the Nets have nice role players. The Nets don't just have nice role players. They have, like, a really, like, sort of of cream-of-the-crop role player squad. Like, it's like, you know, each of them has a, you know, ceiling that they can reach internally. Everyone's got, like, a lot of room for growth. Um, you know, so the idea that Karis LeVert is just like a cool role player, you know, it's kind of misrepresenting our, our situation with people like that. Like, there is still this, this amazing thing where we get to watch our homegrown
0: guys grow. And then we also get to supplement that with the best players in the world. With Kevin Durant, who's been historically the best, the second best player behind LeBron of this like current generation, this current decade of the NBA. And then Kyrie Irving, who is, you know, we we so we've talked about this a lot, and like it's so funny the conversations that we had, like, leading up into this moment where it was like Kyrie or D'Angelo Russell, and I was firmly in like stick with D'Angelo Russell camp. And you correctly pointed out as of the Madman episode that Mohawk Airlines versus what was it, Pan Am or what's the American uh, Airlines? American yeah. Airlines. It was like Sticking with D'Angelo Russell would have been a nice move and would have continued on the current trajectory that they were on, which was a delightful tra- trajectory for all of us to watch and enjoy. But going after Kyrie Irving as hard as they did, as early on as they seemingly did, making the Allen Crabb trade when they did, because that's sort of already been the lost piece in all of this, is that they made Alan Crabb trade, you know, what was that, two weeks ago? It was before the draft, you know, and it was the weekend before the draft, I think it was, and or no, it was even way before that. And the timing of that was – it wasn't that it was unusual, but it was something to sort of figure out because they could have done that trade at the draft. They could have done that trade maybe now, but they made that trade that early on so that the Nets could send out the feelers and say to Kevin Durant, there is nothing for you to worry about in terms of when you, – if you want to be here, you're here. There isn't a roadblock in your way. There isn't an Alan Crabb contract in your way, what may be in the way is a John and Musa contract, which – you know, I don't really understand. So, of course, we're going to talk about ever I mean, like, there's so much to talk about today. Like, they've, the Nets essentially signed four players today because they signed Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and they signed DeAndre Jordan. We're told, and Garrett Temple. And Brian and I were talking about before the show that we may have we were thinking about just doing a Garrett Temple pod. Yeah, just, just Garrett Temple, just leaning into the meme
1: like super hard and infuriating everybody. But then we didn't. You know, we we also kind of were. We want to look out yeah, for ourselves yeah. a little bit more than we're
0: that. More. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it's just like the 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 drastic change that has happened over so i i wanted to do i have all these bits that i want to do throughout this thing part of it is there's one thing of the congratulations to you that's one of my bits i have coming up in this pod there is a uh how do you like dem apples which i'll explain but you could probably kind of guess where that's gonna go it's gonna be get to a very dark place and i love it i'm so freaking excited for it but let's just do the timeline of events like to so everyone remembers what we just ran through. So Brian and I are recording this at 8.22 p.m. Sunday night, the opening day of free agency. And we, what we were told before free agency began, which was a couple of days ago, was that Kevin Durant was probably going to take a couple of days into the week before he made his decision. The last time he signed with the team, the Golden State Warriors, he took until I believe it was July 4th exactly to make that decision. So we we were believing, Brian and I were like, we actually talked earlier today, before like way early in the morning saying, you know, if Kyrie Irving signs with the Nets, that's actually not an emergency pod anymore because that's, like, something that we expected to happen. It's something we were told was going to happen. Um, so we were like, why don't we just, like, let Kyrie Irving sign with the Nets? Uh, everything will kind of work itself out. There will be all these signings, and we can kind of then come back on Monday and talk about it. But, of course, 3.25 p.m., Woj puts out on Twitter, Kevin Durant will announce his free agent decision tonight on his company-owned sports business network. Brian, the boardroom. That's where you have to follow. We we got to check how many...
1: So when I first booted that uh, account up, that IG account up, they had
0: like 62K followers. Where are they at now? I think they're at over 100,000. I mean, there's something... That's marketing, marketing, marketing right there. And and Dude, I saw people tweeting out like some NBA people, because I guess in NBA people's mentions, it was like, um, you know, that's so lame of Kevin Durant to try to promote his own company's website while he's making this decision that's going to affect multiple fan bases. I'm like... Obviously now, Team Kevin Durant for life. Like the, the, he will never do any wrong in my eyes. I've already loved Dude, him. He's from the DMV. I'm from the DMV. We're basically <laughs> brothers. Um, Dude, I'm also Team Kyrie for
1: life. Let, let's not like just overlook the idea that like maybe Kevin Durant was probably you know waffling or whatever. He's in a, like an emotional sinkhole right now because his, like, leg has exploded. But Kyrie Irving just stayed the course, never wavered, seemingly, and delivered, like, both himself and Kevin Durant to us on a silver platter. That guy, for me, is, like, going to be the unsung hero of this whole thing. People are going to rip on him for flat earth or whatever, but, like, that's that's the slickest move
0: of, of all. And, and, like, so I'm still excited. So, again, we're recording at the hour that we're recording this on the Sunday before you know, the Sunday of free agency, the beginning of free agency, like I'm still excited to read the full breakdown of exactly when the communications began. Obviously, they're not going to say the Nets were talking to Kevin Durant days before because that would be tampering. God forbid we tamper. Now we're one of the kings and we don't give a crap about tampering. We're the Lakers of the East. It doesn't matter. I don't give a tampering. Um, but I want to read the breakdown. I'm Kyrie Irving's text to Kevin Durant. What did he say to him? What was the conversations like leading up into this point? When did Kevin Durant make the decision? When did he know that he was coming to the Brooklyn Nets? I'm so excited to read all of that because that is all going to be juicy details. And I think immediately within that piece, it's going to basically say Durant knew he was never going to the Knicks, and he had to say he was thinking about the Knicks because that kept a lot of interest from other teams. But I can almost assuredly say that he knew he was not coming to the Knicks. But anyways, let's do. The, let's run back to the timeline. Three twenty five. Woj is saying Kevin Durant will announce on his Instagram. 4:21. Mark Stein: An undeniable vibe of confidence is emanating from Brooklyn as we speak. The Nets seem sure to believe that they are getting Kevin Durant's commitment tonight to go with Kyrie Irving, with DeAndre Jordan, Durant's close friend, to follow. That is the first word that we got that the Nets were the front runners. Another, unfortunately, Ian Begley story where he said that the Nets were not the front runners. Um, not necessarily the front runners, but that's okay. You know, we all get this wrong. Um, 452, Woj, Kevin Durant, is planning to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. League sources tell the ESPN. 456, Woj, Brooklyn, four minutes later, is making a clean sweep tonight. Brooklyn will sign Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. Brian, in a span of an hour and a half, we went from not even realizing that Kevin Durant was going to sign with the team Do Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan, which we will get to at some point in this pod, being Brooklyn Nets. Jesus, Bry. Oh, my God. What a feeling. So, like, first, what I want to do is, like, let's look actually at the team that they have, which is, like, pretty incredible just to sort of list off when you're looking at it in front of your faces. So, obviously, Kevin Durant is not going to be there. Next season, and the thing that's going to be hanging over our heads all season is this, like, when is he going to come back? Is he going to come back during the season? Is he going to come back at the end of the season? All this crap. But, Brian, this is just the roster, okay? This is just who is likely to be on the team next year as we know it right now. Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, Theo Pinson, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Kevin Durant on the bench, looking great, fantastic, in suits every game. I love to see it. Rodion's Karooks, the guy that Karooks said he wanted to be most in the NBA is Kevin Durant. He's going to play with Kevin Durant. Tareen Prince, fantastic. Much forgotten already. Big contributor. Jared Allen, we said they needed a big beefy center. DeAndre Jordan and Mr. Nicholas Claxton. Very exciting group. Um, Gosh, man. This is bonkers. This is super bonkers. <laughs> You're just ch- chewing your lip. <laughs> give me give me your thoughts because, so, for, again, everyone, we need to reveal this a little bit. I am new to the Nets in terms of being new, like, as in the past six years. That's how long we've been doing this pod, five or six years. But Brian has been a diehard Brooklyn Nets, New Jersey Nets fan. We're in that gray Vince Carter jersey. I've got, a, I've got a Kenny Drazen Petrovic action figure right here. You've, you've got a Brooke Lopez bubblehead. I've got a
1: um a starting lineup Drazen action figure, you know?
0: Brian, the thing he wore most in college we were college roommates, the thing he wore most in college was maybe it was it a Kenyon Martin jersey? Or probably. was it probably yeah. Your feelings, having grown up as a Nets fan, the fact that like this is a reality. This isn't just like a rumor and you know we've had stories over the years about how like a beautiful little baby cute thing the Nets are building in Brooklyn. They're like this like wonderful little pizza shop like Roberta's. But like there's a ceiling to Roberta's. It's not going to be Domino's. The Nets are now Domino's Brian.
1: You know what's interesting? It's kind of it's kind of weird because like <clears throat> you know when I was reading about the Dwight Howard situation um, you know which feels like a lifetime ago. The Dwight uh, like it seemed so much more like it's it's going to be weird to say this because it, that, that was so much more exciting right because that was like our first uh like interaction with any like you know high profile player in that in that way and i think what happens is as you actually do kind of like lay that groundwork and and it only took us 3 years to like you know completely foundationally change this team it kind of just, like, it. it's less... It's not just... It's obviously super exciting, but it, like, makes sense in a way that's, like, it. you can wrap your head around it in a way that's, like, a little bit less um, frenetic, or... Um, like, it doesn't... I don't feel like a little kid in a candy store, you know? I feel like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. This is, like, the the trajectory we've been on, and so, like, obviously, top tier free agents would sign with, with a team like this. Um, there's, like, a, a, a sort of matter of factness to it that, like you know belies what's the bigger thing which is like incredibly exciting stuff um and so anyways i'm just sort of like doing some some of that i mean you want me to try to dig deep and get those feelings my feeling is like like yeah like obviously like heck yeah you should sign with the nets like it makes the most sense (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's a really different place to be in from where i was you know when i when this has happened in the
0: past Um, i mean it's i mean it's sean marks is a mother Just think, think about this for a second. When the Nets hired Sean Marks, it was totally surprising. Like we had heard about him being a guy that the Nets maybe wanted, but it, like Brian Colangelo was the guy that the Nets were most linked to, which is hilarious. Well, sad I guess for some, not really for me. Still hilarious about what happened to Brian Colangelo in Philadelphia with his wife creating all those fake Twitter accounts to tweet at bloggers. Brian Colangelo is a fine, like middle of the road GM. He's made good decisions. He's made some really bad decisions. Sean Marks was a surprise hire. So, this is like going to be a twofold huzzah to you. First to Sean Marks, but like honestly to Mikhail Prokhorov, because we don't talk about Prokhorov at all anymore. He's not anyone like at the obviously when he was first with the Nets, we all super cared about him. He rode jet skis, wasn't married, liked to date supermodels, and talked about how he wanted to take down the Knicks. And he took his first swing at the Knicks by making that by pushing for the Garnett Pierce trade and that was the biggest failure in basketball history pretty much right biggest failure all those first round picks all that capital the nets sent that way built what should have been a boston dynasty and will be talked about in our segment how do you like them apples Prokhorov then took a back seat seemingly took a back seat whether it was because he was maybe feuding with vladimir putin or there sanctions against russia from the us so there's all this there's all these like, crazy geopolitical stuff that kind of went into why Prokhorov maybe wasn't as involved as he should have been. And maybe we'll learn more about that when Joseph Side takes over and Nets reporters seem more freely willing to put out that information publicly. But either way, Prokhorov took uh, much more of a back seat and took much less pressure off the team to be immediately competitive and to be dominant in every fashion that he wanted them to be. He, he started he started to treat them like a basketball team and less like a soccer club where in soccer you can just buy a whole bunch of players like Chelsea did with Abramovich and all of the stuff that they did and became like a world-class power. You can't do that really in basketball. Um, Prokhorov hired Sean Marks. I mean, him and whoever else was in that room picking the next guy to lead the team. They fired Billy King. They picked Sean Marks sort of out of obscurity, out of San Antonio. He was always talked about as being an interesting guy you know, in the future. But like, really, he wasn't all that interesting at that time. He came over to Brooklyn, had a clear plan, hired Kenny Atkinson as a coach. Again, a surprise hire. Not a guy that was on the top of everyone's list to be a head coach. Brought in Kenny Atkinson to create a developmental staff that would build players up that take players from the scrap people like Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris and turn them into valuable assets which they are now both of them are outperforming their contract. And Sean Marks cannot cannot be overstated. He's done something that that GMs, very few GMs in basketball history have ever done. Pat Riley in Miami did the same thing with LeBron, Wade and Bosh. And in that situation, of course Pat Riley was influential, but like Dwayne Wade convinced LeBron and Bosh to come to his city. Of course, Kyrie Irving seemingly had wanted to come to the Nets, but but Marks was able to, Marks and the Nets were able to convince Kyrie and Kevin Durant. The obvious choice would have been to go to the Knicks. He convinced them in some way or the other by either creating a really great situation and by not explicitly convincing them or by sort of actually talking to them and saying this is where you should be. He made Kyrie and Kevin Durant shift their thinking, shift the thinking that was the popular thought, was that those two guys should go to the Knicks, which has been the conversation all year, made them shift that thought and say, actually, you should go to the Nets because we've built something that's a playoff team. It's sustainable. It's filled with young players on good contracts that can help you as you guys join us as opposed to coming to the Knicks, which is a dumpster fire. Um, The Knicks' pursuit of Zion Williamson which they didn't get killed their chances of getting Kyrie and Kevin Durant unequivocally, um, Sean Marks mother effing with no assets and throwing out horrible restricted free agent contracts that ended up not coming here, which is a mother effing blessing convinced (laughs) Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I don't know why I'm, I'm so afraid to curse. I'm scared. Well, no, it's out of your character. You're, you're fired up. I mean, um, it's amazing, man. It's like it's it's it cannot be. It's it's like it. This doesn't happen. This we talk about team ups all the time. And there was this story a couple of days ago that Kawhi and KD were talking about teaming up maybe for the Clippers and the Knicks. Wherever that went, I think that disappeared quickly because that seemed to be completely inaccurate. Um, did you see this Ramona Shelburne tweet that came out like uh, maybe about an hour ago? Um, let me pull it up. Ramona, basic. So Ramona says. This is from Mona Shelburne, completely respected NBA reporter. The Knicks and owner Jim Dolan were not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract due to concerns over his recovery from the Achilles injury. That is a tweet from herself. This is after the fact that Kevin Durant is signed with the Nets or is announced that he will sign with the Nets on July 6th when the league year starts. The sour grapes, the now trying to cover the asses of Scott Perry and everyone else with the Knicks, this is incredible, Brian. The, the 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 joy of this is just purely Nets, but there is a percentage of it that is schadenfreude of what's happening with the Knicks. They signed Julius Randle to a three-year, $63 million deal. We all love Julius Randle, but this is like... It's so phenomenal. Buddy. Yeah, I mean, cut back to a month ago when you are like, oh,
1: golly, do we really want this? Now, Now... I mean, think about this situation reversed, how, and we're, when we're signing Julius Randall with D'Angelo Russell, like, we'd be, we'd be fine with that. But, um, I think anybody, I think once you saw that this actually happened, all of your sort of, any, not yours specifically, just people in general's hesitancy about the whole thing could rightly dissipate into the ether of old style, you know, yesteryear's Nets thinking, um because this really is a, you know, it's a paradigm shift. It's truly, truly, also, I'm looking at, I mean, am I right to be excited about DeAndre Jordan? Because I just looked at his stats, and he's, like, having his best
0: years, like, right now, um, he, as far as got, I can tell. I think he had a, his last contract with the with the Mavericks, the one most recently that he was on, was, like, one year, $23 million. So it's, like, so, yes, there's there's more negative press about DeAndre Jordan than there had been in the past when he was, like, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and he was on a good contract with the Clippers, and he was part of that big three in the Clippers that were, like, you know, an interesting team, but, like, we're never going to get there. Then he signs a one-year deal with the Mavs. There's bad press about him, about, like, he didn't really give, like, full effort. If he's signing with Brooklyn, it means he's signing for the minimum, because Yeah, I, think, I didn't
1: see anything about the contract. Like, I, I've been looking, and just, there's nothing about it.
0: Well, and I think Gary Temple's contract is five, two years for $5 million each. So. Yeah. And one's, a pl- I think it's like a team option. It's a team option for the second year, yeah. All right, so that that means that, so that's like, a pr- that's basically, I think that's room-level, mid-level exception or taxpayer-mid-level exception or whatever the, the, it's a mid-level exception, I'm pretty sure. So that should mean, I mean, the only way they could sign Garrett Temple is to that contract. That means that DeAndre Jordan's a minimum guy. And you would think, actually, and again, all this may be for naught, so like tomorrow morning, if you hear this pod and that, DeAndre's contract comes out. I apologize if we had this conversation. But you would think DeAndre Jordan would sign for two years because he wants to play with Kevin Durant. If if you pick the perfect big, honestly, like the perfect big that was out there on the market that wasn't gonna be all that expensive, like because he, so Brooke Lopez, I think, signed for like three years fifty-two million or some amount like that. Like Brooke, okay, so my dream of Brooke Lopez coming back for the mid-level exception, never <laughs> yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, that, <laughs> that didn't work out. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan
1: is an amazing. I mean, well, he's going through a bit of a renaissance here. I mean, like just digging through his numbers, his like defensive stats are sort of down like pretty pretty conspicuously, but all of a sudden he's averaging like three assists per game, and you know his like his percentages are like really like he's shooting almost eighty percent from the free throw line in twenty games with the Knicks last
0: year. Like that's well, and, sort of it, unthinkable. And and sort of always in the perception and equation about DeAndre Jordan was that when you're paying him the max amount of money. You can't play him at the end of games because he can't shoot free throws, right? So, if you're paying him the minimum, though, you don't need him at the end of games. You can take him out. Jared Allen is actually, a, a, as for a big man, a really good free throw shooter comparatively throughout the rest of the, all the centers in the NBA who are, I mean, uh, guys who are like non three point shooters. Jared Allen is a good. So, if you do need to go big at the end of a game, you can keep Jared Allen on the floor. You don't need DeAndre Jordan. the The negatives of DeAndre Jordan, which are You know, maybe sort of lackadaisical effort at times because maybe too much minutes, um, free throw shooting because he can't be played at the end of games. Those negatives don't really exist when he is potentially a minimum candidate for salary who is going to play, you know, 20 minutes a game. Those 20 minutes, 20 minutes of DeAndre Jordan plus 20 minutes of Jared Allen, that, that level of production defensively is unmatched in the rest of the nba besides like rudy gobert playing the entirety of a game yeah i mean i don't i don't want to spend too much time on deandre jordan because like that's exciting and everything but
1: you know um we can also talk about the basketball geometry of Kyrie irving and kevin durant which might be more more compelling um also like it's awesome to have deandre jordan um I would say, like, I think that these are not just, like, the biggest names out there. I think they are, like, specifically the best two names for what it is that we're trying to do on just that base strategic level. I mean, it's not, I like, it's it's easy to say that, like, you know, oh, it's convenient because just, like, they're the players that we got and and um, they're really good. But their particular style of basketball fits what we are attempting to do to a T. So, you know, trying not to get too, too excited about it, like, those the, that you know, super high ceiling for a team. Like, I think that this could really crack out nicely, especially if Karis Lavert and Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie continue to be better and better um, at what they do. You know, we might be one piece away from being truly, truly elite, or like elite in a way that's you know, you can feel pretty comfortable placing a bet on. Um, but we're not too far away with this, Mike.
0: Yeah, and, like, we joked all year that the Nets needed it. So the Nets' stretch forward situation went from, you know, Jared Dudley, Travion Graham, Ronda hallis Hallis-Jefferson, just their four spot. And eventually, Rodion's Karukes, like, emerged out of the darkness to become the prince that was promised. But now that four spot, obviously not this upcoming season, but in the future, will be Kevin Durant. You go from having the worst power forward, stretch power forward, like positioning in the entire NBA essentially from terms of production into the best guy for that position almost ever mm-hmm. almost ever for being a stretch scoring big i mean <laughs> the and it you know yes it stinks that kevin durant won't be playing basketball next year and i don't even know where i would come at so i was thinking about this in like His Achilles injury obviously impacted his decision in some way. It may not have impacted his final decision, but it impacted his thinking. And, like, if he doesn't have that Achilles injury, is he more apt to take on the challenge of being the Knicks star? Because if he's not injured, he can play for the Knicks and be out there and, like, be producing for the team, and he could probably do a better job of convincing guys to come with him to the Knicks. Where maybe because he has the injury... He felt like he needed a better situation, which is what the Nets offered. It's a crazy like I don't I can't answer the what if like I don't know. Like I you know obviously I would love to find out from Kevin Durant if that injury affected his thinking at all and, and shifted sort of the power rankings in his head about which teams he may go to. I don't know. Like it's just it's a what if, but but the reality is that he's going to be a net for. The next four seasons, one of them, he won't play. And, you know, I think what's informative is that, you know, if for anyone who doesn't really trust Kevin Durant on an Achilles injury, for the most part, yes, guys after Achilles injuries don't come back to the level that they were. But most of them aren't Kevin Durant at this age. Like everyone wants to cite Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was basically done for the most part when he had that when he had his injury. Demarcus Cousins is a different dude. Demarcus and Demarcus Cousins may still be like super productive next season. We just don't know. He came back from his injury. Yeah, you know. I, mean, he's, I, I like people keep pointing to Demarcus Cousins as like a data point in favor of like Achilles injuries
1: being devastating. It's like I don't see how that's helping that that narrative because he's he's also like three hundred pounds. So like there's that, which is not a thing that Kevin Durant has to worry about. Um, but he like looked pretty good by the end of the playoffs. Like and on a team where he shape. was and he was out of shape and he was also just like not expected to be anything other than what he was like he went in like y- yeah i mean like he was on a weird team for him for a dude with that kind of like skill level or like b- being used to being the primary focus of an offense in the way that he was to go to being the guy coming off the bench and pretty much an afterthought
0: and so, still averaged like 16 points a game well and like so Kevin Pelton did did his projections for free agents and like who would be the best who would be the worst and blah 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 like who's going to give you the most production Kevin Durant, even while missing a season, in terms of Kevin Pelton's projections, would offer a team more over those four years than Tobias, Tobias Harris would, right? And that, that was another sliding door moment for this team. Like During the season, the best that the Nets were going to hope for was to re-sign D'Angelo Russell and then sign Tobias Harris. Over the length of the contract, Kevin Durant is going to be more productive. And you know what? It doesn't matter because it's more about per the season. It's unlikely the Nets are going to win the NBA Finals next season. Unlikely. Um, but the season after that, they're going to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the team. This team will have hopefully some growth from Karis Levert. Spencer Dinwiddie will have firmly affirmed his role. Rodion's crooks, growing. And this is like way in the future and like probably not worth talking about in this pod, but like the next season's free agents are going to be interesting for the Nets because. The Nets are going to be established as one of the premier teams in the NBA with those two guys on the floor, and then with Kevin Durant coming back, there's going to be a lot of guys who want to come to the Nets on minimums. Which what you're going to see this season with the Lakers, like the Lakers are going to have like incredible guys coming in to be like a minimum player on their team. Are they? I don't know. It seems like they're running out of options. Who have they signed anyone yet? No, they haven't signed anyone yet. Hmm. But like I think I think they're going to get a lot of like low buy-in guys that. I feel like, like, the Terrence women Rosses
1: women. and everything, like, they should have been should have been there for that and, and weren't. I think that they're waiting on
0: Ka- Kawhi, and that's yeah. what's... I mean, obviously, but if Kawhi, like,
1: drags his heel much
0: longer, <laughs> like, how like how much, how many more Terrence Rosses do they have to watch, you know, escape their grasp at this point? I, I know this isn't a Lakers pod, but, like, honest, I know everyone, and I know everyone hates the Lakers at this point, but the Lakers, like, if I'm Kawhi, I would go to the Lakers. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't. Like, you play with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Super fun. Um, All right. I got to... One last last little
1: question for you. My last little question is next year, how torturous is next year for you? Like, just thinking about how we're going to spend a whole year podcasting knowing full well that it's not the the real deal team that we're running out there that it's it's a it's yet another like
0: despite all of this we're gonna be watching a year of growth player development <laughs> another year of growth uh, no, no finality um you know actually i'm looking i'm looking forward to because everything that happens next season is just like cherry on top of the sunday vibes bro because it's almost like the celtics were last season when they got to game seven of the eastern conference finals without kyrie and gordon hayward it's this team is going to as far as they get in the playoffs is hopefully they go to the second round cuz you know if well, we can we'll talk about this team endlessly for the next 80, 18 years now at this point but you know Kyrie is better than D'Angelo Russell he's better on the on the court there's no question about that i i worry about Kyrie's personality impact on the rest of the team though we've been told that Spencer Dinwiddie recruited heavily to get Kyrie Irving. And if the guy the guy who would be most impacted by Kyrie Irving coming would be Spencer Dinwiddie. And if Spencer Dinwiddie who's been pub- publicly tweeting that he took less money on his contract essentially because he wanted a happier life in Brooklyn. If if Spencer's like totally in and happy with Kyrie Irving, I, I'm not as worried about what's going to happen. Did you see that most recent Deadspin bit about um, Kyrie
1: Irving not being charitable and not liking charity.
0: <laughs> no,
1: you didn't see that. No, so I love that. I already love that. So, but yes, <laughs> okay. So now that I feel like I know Kyrie Irving, like I, I feel like I know this dude. I know what he's about. And once I have a perception of that person, you know, I, I can start to like unpack their thinking when things get tough like this. Um, Here is what happened with Kyrie Irving and why he landed on. I don't do charitable events like that. He saw, because I know what he watches on YouTube, I just feel like I do. He watched this thing, called, <laughs> this thing uh, The Pervert's Guide to Cinema by Slavoj Žižek, where he talks about charity being the chocolate laxative of capitalism, uh, a chocolate, a thing that constipates you, and a laxative, a thing that unconstipates you, right? It's a very capitalistic thing to have the treat be the same thing that causes the thing that the medicine is there to remedy. Um, and i and i oh, guarantee i I, I am almost certain that this is where he got this from and it's not wrong like he's like 100% correct it's just a really tough spot to be in when everyone sees what you're making on your paycheck <laughs> and and uh and you're very much like benefiting from sort of like the, the system that you're in and then not participating in in that one lone part of it but i think you know philosophically speaking like there's an argument to be made there and if he doesn't get the a platform to make that then we can just you know speculate at what his line of thinking is I'm being charitable in my interpretation of his interpretation. So, you know, that's
0: my act of charity. Like, um, by the way, we, we have a statement from, uh, Knicks president, Steve Mills. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Steve Mills. I got this on Mark Stone's where while we understand that some Knicks fans could be disappointed with tonight's news, we continue to be upbeat and confident in our plans to rebuild the Knicks to compete for championships in the future, both through the draft and targeted, targeted free agents. Dude, how, uh, how is Julius Randle supposed to feel about that? Why do they always do this? Like, why do they always... Who's in charge of their PR? While we're talking, by the way, they signed Taj Gibson's two years, uh, 10 mil per, which Taj Gibson was a guy I was kind of hoping the Nets could sneak as a, like, minimum dude who wants to win a championship, who, like, wants to be a part of a winning team, and I think Taj is from New York City. Um, He would be, like, the perfect vet big to go along with DeAndre Jordan on this team. But like every time, dude, like even when they're in, in an attempt to be honest, like they don't need to, <laughs> they didn't need to do
1: it like that. Like, you no, know, those two guys feel like, OK, great. Like, cool. Now <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm part of the apology letter, you know?
0: Wow. Uh, um, OK, I got two segments for you. Mm-hmm. One is how do you like them apples? Another is congrats. You're still here. Which one do you like the most? Let's go. How do you like them apples? Let's do it. Okay. This is "How do you like them apples?" This is, of course, a line from Good Will Hunting, a movie based in Boston. And i never really completely understood the where the phrase "How do you like them apples?" really came from. Do you really understand the what is it? The etymology or is that the? <laughs> I guess no, not really. I mean, the context I get, but the no. context I get, which is like um, he roasts a uh, a lame, uh, lame ass Harvard bro at a bar. But, like, I, don't, I still don't completely understand how, like, that's the line. Okay, so okay. give it to me. But what I am doing is I am taking this Boston-based line, and I am flipping it to Brooklyn, okay? Brian, you and I and the, other, the rest of Nets Nation has, have had to suffer through an insane amount of negativity in the press and sort of just the entire conversation around the NBA – because of the Garnett and Pierce trade, it's right? still happening. Do you do you realize that this is? I mean, I hate to interrupt you and like derail this
1: whole Please, thing, but no. it's it's still it's, it's happening. happening. All of this, this like casting doubt on the Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant signing from the national media. There's still that prejudice baked,
0: the through line, a vein of it baked right into all of those analyses. And it, and it's because they can't. A lot of people in the media cannot wrap their heads around the fact of like what is actually happening underneath their feet. Like yeah. there are many examples throughout business. That businesses don't really like upstart businesses that uh, I hate to use this term, but disruptors. I am sorry for everyone out there. Disruptors. No, it's a, it's a KPI. There. Come on. Keep it with it. No, that's those are buzz. Com- yeah. Completely alter the the framework of sort of an industry like an Uber. Hate Uber. Whatever. They charge me so much money when I want to ride on them. But like an Uber, they charge like, all. you know, they they completely shifted the for hire vehicle business. The Nets are the Uber of the NBA. So mm-hmm. how do you like them apples? I will begin with the Boston Celtics. Brian, we went from a situation where all the Knicks, all the Nets assets were, were pushed over to the Boston Celtics. They were building this mini dynasty of sorts that we kept being told that they had all these assets that were going to get them either Anthony Davis, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. None of that happened. Some of those assets got them Kyrie Irving in an amazing trade by the Boston Celtics. But guess what happened? Kyrie Irving hated being in Boston, and Boston hated Kyrie Irving. They made this such a smart signing, such a brilliant signing in getting Al Horford. And, oh, Al Horford can't go there. There There's rumors actually very recently on Twitter that maybe he was going to come back to Boston, but then those fizzled within 30 minutes. Um, We have had to sit here for a half a decade... Hearing about the awfulness Of the Boston-Brooklyn trade And consistently on draft lottery night When the balls would bounce for Brooklyn It it would end up, of course The pick would go to the Boston Celtics And everything was talked about How the Celtics built this incredible dynasty That won nothing because of this one trade And yet we sit here and the Nets have Kyrie Irving, who was partly bought by the assets that the Nets handed over in that trade. And the Nets have Kevin Durant. How do you like them apples, Boston Celtics? How do you like them? <laughs> oh, my God. So this, this is the game? It's just, yeah, good, I like it. Keep going. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce, subreddit off of the Boston Celtics trade, kind of trolled Nets fans multiple times over about how he was like almost like a mole the Boston Celtics how he went to Boston How he went to the Brooklyn Nets and like uh, He did whatever he did but that be, he, Because of him because of That trade he he made Paul Pierce his last gift to the Boston Celtics was being a part of that Trade so the Celtics could build the mini, mini Dynasty and now His favorite team in the NBA The Boston Celtics are sitting there With Kemba Walker great consolation Prize their centers Yabusele Paul Pierce How do you like them apples <laughs> <laughs> wait can next.
1: we also i mean signing and kim oh. walker is pretty tight i gotta say it that they really stuck the dismount as, as best as they could
0: yeah and i was actually getting kind of worried when there was like word out there that they were thinking about doing uh they were somehow going to try to figure out a way to get back al horford like they were they there was like a mystery team out there for al horford because everyone believed that he was going to get four years 112 million dollars which is such a specific amount of money that like probably was is is going to be right and maybe well be by the time this podcast comes out Um, and if they had like actually signed Al Horford back and got Kemba Walker they're fine they're like they're back to where pretty much they were with because Kemba and Kyrie at least for next season it's not going to be all that different I'd rather have Kyrie over the next four years than Kemba but like next season essentially the same but they are diminished and it, they're diminished because of their culture. Because Danny Ainge built the culture around that, you know, like, we'll trade anyone at any point. We, have, we don't sustain growth through our players. We don't sign them to new contracts. We sign maybe one guy like Marcus Smart, but we'll trade Isaiah Thomas after the devastation he went through in his personal life and the injury that he went through. Um, super sweet, Brian. Nice. Um, the last one, the Knicks. Brian, how do you like them apples, buddy? I'm telling you, we can only enjoy it for so, for so long here, because I'm
1: telling you very soon, it'll just be, it'll be sad. Um, and, and part of that, like, that will be, that'll be sweet in its own right. Just being like, it's they're you know, they're too sad of a situation to make fun of at this point. Um, they're, we're not there yet. So I will, you know, dance on their super, the grave of their super lame off season here. Um, And there's no two ways to spin that. Like they completely swung and missed, and we didn't, you know, so suck on that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, you know, I, I, again, I, you know, there's only a a, a small window where we can do this, you know, and, and not seem petty for it uh, or like fixated. Um, So today's the day where I get to do it, but you know, we shouldn't do it for too much longer, Mike, because it'll just be, it'll be day class. A. it'll be beneath us to do, to do that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it would be beneath us for another 8 weeks, but like for the next 7 weeks I'm going to dance on their graves. Yeah. Because because let's like let's go the timeline through the Knicks fans emotions over this past NBA season, which was before the season they believed that they were going to get Kevin Durant. And then as Kyrie slowly started to destroy his own legacy in Boston, he there was now rumors that Kyrie and Kevin Durant were going to come to the Knicks. So Knicks fans are sitting there thinking, this is amazing. We're going to get Kyrie and Kevin Durant, which is the reality for Nets fans right now. But during that season, they sucked. And so what they started to do was started to diminish their roster. They made what will end up being one of the worst trades in NBA history in trading away their best young player since Patrick Ewing and Chris Epps Porzingis for an ability to shed Tim Hardaway's contract, which is a bad contract that, that I guess their owner made before they hired their current NBA GM and Steve Mil- like Steve Mills may have made it but Scott Perry didn't make it cuz Scott Perry wasn't hired by the time the Tim Hardaway contract happened they they shed Tim Hardaway's contract get rid of Porzingis who again best young player since Patrick Ewing yes they get some first round picks Mazel tough um and so but we're told that happened because they were going to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that's why we were told that happened. Let's not forget that because that's going to be distorted. And we didn't just get oh, that.
1: We we got it from James Dillon himself who, like the buffoon that he is, went on the radio and said as much.
0: Right. So we got it straight from the horse's behind m- mouth. So th- that happened, okay? And that, that should not be history rewritten. History, we're told, is being re- rewritten already. Ramona Shelburne reporting, and I'm not disparaging her reporting. I think she's getting this from the Knicks and she's reporting it to us, which I appreciate but again, Knicks and the and owner Jim Dolan not prepared to offer Kevin Durant a full max contract due to concerns over his recovery from the Achilles injury. And, I'll, and i and I, I let's reveal behind more about that tweet. Let's just reveal the thinking behind that. So we were getting reporting up to the hour that the Knicks were going to offer again from Ian Begley, Ian Begley saying the Knicks were gonna was gonna tell Kevin Durant, Hey, look how much money you can make off the court by being a Knicks. Okay? And all of the all the great things that the Knicks were going to offer that we're, we have R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, and like you have this great team, and we'll we'll continue to develop those guys while you sit out this season, and then you'll come back and you'll be a Nick, and everyone will love you forever and ever. So we were being told all these things that were happening, and the minute the minute that it that they knew that the Nets were going to get Kevin Durant, they start putting out those reports about the they're not confident in this Achilles injury. And I'll tell you this: there's no way. They could have concerns about his recovery over an Achilles injury because, one, they don't have his medical information. Know that for a fact because that's not how they wouldn't have gotten it. There's no way Durant's people would have given the Knicks his medical information before negotiations began, like, like in earnest. And two, he just tore his Achilles, like, three days ago, basically. So it's not like he's had a setback like they no, they have no, <laughs> yeah. they have no like, sense of how his of- recovery has been
1: <laughs> also i mean like and this has been repeated by the national media a lot but like it's a it's a data point worth noting that the incumbent team who does have all that information offered him 200
0: some odd million dollars to come back for five more years oh, oh wow what an ama- oh, what an amazing point mm-hmm. i mean the and that and mark stein had a great tweet about that was that like the the warriors came out this championship team that durant has won two championships with they came out and offered him a five-year max, the biggest contract in basketball that he could possibly have. And Kevin Durant turned that down to come to the Nets. He made that decision. And, like, just another feather in the cap. By the way, I just want to update news because as as we're doing this pod, like, things are happening. Al Horford has signed with the 76ers, and oh, Jimmy wow. Butler has been traded to Miami. Cool. Um, yeah. So things are shifting in the NBA as what, we're what speaking. Was,
1: does it say any? what was the contract for Al, Al Horford?
0: Compensation for Jimmy Butler. The 76ers basically flipped Jimmy Butler to Miami for Josh Richardson and they got also Al Horford on like 4 years. I think it's like 4 years 110 million or something like that. It's so wild. Um what a what a beautiful night for the NBA. It's like o- almost too much to even think about. Um Let's do final thoughts because we're gonna be we're gonna be doing a couple more pods this week. I mean, we're gonna not this isn't like the end all be all, um, but just final thoughts about this amazing turn of events.
1: Oh, is that me? You were
0: just th- yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> final <laughs> thoughts. Uh, golly. Well, um, you know, I just hope that you know my i guess my 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 lone thought is like you know i want to make sure that everyone's on the same page at all times with like you know the fact that this is this is going to change everything like and it's 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 easy to say that from this you know distance but having a player there's like whole cottage industries that set up around players with this kind of like high profile um so nobody start a podcast because we're the only Nets podcast and you can't be <laughs> in cups. Just kidding. Now if anyone's got a podcast, reach out to us. Let's do some cross promo and you know, let's let's uh, let's, you know, cause Nets fandom has kind of been a lonely thing for a long time. And this is the kind of thing where um, it's a real game changer. I was reading the Kyrie Irving uh, or just like when, you know, it became clear that Kyrie Irving was signing. A lot of people were talking about how, Um, it might be relevant that Kyrie Irving was a Nets fan, um, and a big fan of Jason Kidd growing up. And, uh, I thought that that was interesting because like, um, you know, this is, this is that all, you know, there's a a generation of, of, of a very similar kind of thing for this situation. So, um, anyways, I don't know. I'm feeling, I'm waxing philosophic here, but you know, we'll, we'll dig into this more. Um. But it's, like, the biggest thing. It's, we got hit by a giant meteor today. And it was a meteor of joy instead of a meteor of destruction. It was a it was a love meteor, you know.
0: It's, it's incredible, dude. I, I know I keep saying that over this pod, but, like, I mean, you just put it so beautifully. And I'm just going to add that the, the, like, zoom back real quick and just remember what it was like, I don't know, four seasons ago. Let's say, like, before Sean Marks was hired. And sort of what the hope and dream was of this team And like I looked at I looked at the first game that the Nets Played post Sean Marks Being hired which he was hired in February During I think during the all-star break So the first game back was a Friday night Game against the Knicks Funny enough and it was the Nets Won but the, the Guys who got the most minutes as guards I'm removing Joe Johnson Because let's just say he's a wing because it's Going to sound better who I say next <laughs> is <laughs> Donald Sloan was the, the biggest minutes w- who we loved. We defended to the death. I mean, not really. Um, we we loved it in an ironic way. Um, it was it was Donald Sloan. Boyan Bogdanovich got a bunch of minutes. Who like actually got like a really nice contract from the Utah Jazz. So Mazel Tov to him as well. Um, there was just like it was a disgusting roster. Uh, the best young the, the youngest player that got like a significant amount of minutes. I think was like it wasn't even Isaiah Whitehead at that point. It it was such a it's such a depressing situation to look at what that team was when Sean Marks got hired, and then to track each move along the way that built got him to this point. Because I think you know we almost took it for granted. Everyone loves Sean Marks, and we have that hashtag in Marks we trust. So yes, there's like a cult following around Sean Marks, but. Oh, still, it's underappreciated the fact that he took Thad Young and flipped him and got Karis LeVert. He took Boyan Bogdanovich's final three months on that contract and got Jared Allen. He took um, Brooke Lopez, the 27th pick overall, which of course is Kyle Kuzma, the great Kyle Kuzma. But he took those two assets in cap space and got D'Angelo Russell, which poor one out for D'Lo. But D'Lo was an important... Uh, Moment To build to this moment Because if they hadn't gotten him And if he hadn't played the way he did The Nets wouldn't have been in the playoffs this year And they may not have gotten Kyrie and KD Don't know if that's a fact But that may not have happened Considering also Karis LeVert may have gotten hurt You know that's too many like butterfly effects That I can't even figure out at this point Uh, Signing Spencer Dinwiddie Over Yogi Ferrell Which at the time was like I got on this pod and yelled about how Yogi Ferrell was a better pl- better player. And Sp- who is Spencer Dinwiddie? And Spencer Diddy- Dinwiddie ended up being one of the key recruiters for Kyrie Irving. And if you don't get Kyrie, you don't get Kevin Durant. Uh, Joe Harris was a nobody, and they took Joe Harris, and now he's the top five three-point shooter in the NBA. Um, all of those moves led to this moment. He made bad moves. He made the Allen Crab. He signed Alan Crabb. Portland took him back. And then he had to trade he then he traded for Alan Crab and then had to trade away first round picks to get Alan Crab off the team. Um he, he he wasn't perfect, but no GM is. He it's it is amazing that without first round picks for the entirety of his run in terms of the Nets' own control of them, he built a good enough team that it ended up turning into Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That's like just Amazing, just like let's let's, let's drink go. champagne let's and, party and eat chicken fingers it's so amazing, wow,
1: um all right, well, I mean, we should leave it there there's a lot to take on and and i don 't want to we don 't want to overload the glisteners at this point because everyone 's probably deep in their feelings and they want to do some reflection on what we 've said, and you know we 've got plenty more where that's coming from. I think everyone's feeling really motivated in the nets journalism sphere, i think to to uh reap the benefits of this situation so um yeah
0: so we'll have um a pod pretty soon here maybe on tuesday we'll record something um and it'll be listener email driven and then maybe we'll hit another one as things keep rolling in and updating we'll just keep keep going man but uh <laughs> nice um all right mike give us give us the spiel At BKGlueGuys on Twitter, NetsDaily.com. iTunes, five stars we need if we want to have them. Brian, Mm, the Nets are back. We did it. Thanks,
1: everybody. We'll talk again soon.